Welcome to another fun-filled hashtag Football Friday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter, X and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow Lakina McGee on the Twitter, X and the going in the IG. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Be sure to follow Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, to please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast. We are located at War Media Podcast. That's W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And while you're ready, please give War Media a follow at W-A-R-R Media on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are on the pod, Jackly Fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have any definite sports opinions during our two-hour extravaganza, we call it Sports Talk Radio Show. You can always find us at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Or you decide to troll and or do something silly, dumb, or stupid, I've given Lakina full power to give you full spill and be a boot. Seasons, greetings, and toodles. But before we begin, we must remind you, you can catch Sports Zone Chicago now available on Roku TV. That's right. So celebrate with the squad and get with the program. Sports Zone Chicago is now available on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku television, just tap on that sports folder and download that Sports Zone Chicago app. If you, if you don't have a Roku television, but you have some handheld devices laying around, iPhone, iPad, iTouch, your Chromebook like I'm using right now, or your PC like Lakina's using right now, just hit up the Google Play Store and download that Roku TV app and access Sportzone Chicago through that avenue. So no more excuses. Celebrate with the squad and get with the program. Sportzone Chicago is now available on Roku TV. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Live and on demand. Anytime, anywhere. And you know we will provide. Yes, we will. And we will provide. You know, even in this holiday, it's a really giving mood here. It, you know, of course, it's almost a holiday. So we'll get, definitely give, provide you a lot here on Second City Sports. Of course, we'll preview Bears and Browns. And, uh, of course, you know, NBA Bulls got another big win against Miami next uh, last night. They played them again tomorrow night. Also, too. And Kobe White still, you know, making your know, big, you know, having some big numbers here, and and of course, you know, and of course we got Vincent uh, Sam Sam Piero, Sam Piero, I think that's how you say his name. He's the co-host of the Lockdown Dodgers. okay, okay, yeah, I think I got it. I think I had it wrong there. Uh, he's from co-host of the Lockdown uh, Dodgers uh, podcast, of of course, from the Lockdown uh, family. You know, of course, he'll talk about the big Shohei contract, which is actually very team friendly for the Dodgers. And also, too, they just made a big trade and signed getting uh, Tyler Glass now from the Rays. Um, also, too, of course, our girl Christine Maddock from KXRB to pre to preview Week 15 of the NFL and a whole the rest of the uh, you know our pickups and a whole lot more. But uh, first, Sid, uh, let's go t- uh, talk some uh, Bears and Browns. Um, pretty intriguing game, by the way. It'll be on Fox at noon and. You want to say this is a big game for the Bears? Fine. I mean, look, they're a game in the hat. They're a game back of the of the wild or last wild card spot. Blah blah blah. Okay. 
Um, in the hunt. <laughs> oh yeah, in the hunt, I guess, as they, they say all the various publications. But uh so what do you think? Do you think the Bears have a shot? I know I know the Browns have had a lot of uh, guys, you know, especially on the defensive side that are on you know IR, you're like, like I think like 13 or 14 guys on IR, but this team has actually done a pretty solid job. Uh, you know, of course, you know, Joe Flacco, who was literally like sitting, you know, in his couch, <laughs> like literally just a uh, about a month ago, is now made some big numbers and they, they signed him for the rest of the season. So, yeah. So, Sue, what do you think about the, uh, this game for the Bears? Do the Bears have a shot? Yes, they do. How will they get it done? This is how will how they'll get it done. One, you have to run the football with some consistency. They didn't do that to the extent that Yoshua uh, would like to see last week in that victory over the Lions. They have to do that because, one, the Cleveland Browns have a dynamic pass rusher named Miles Garrett. you got to keep him along with the rest of that Browns defensive line on his heels. The Bears have to run the ball with some consistency, first of all. Number two, the defense. They have stepped up over the last seven, eight weeks or so. Lakina was, besides pressuring the quarterback, what's the number one objective for the defense besides stopping your opponent? How you do that? One of the ways you do that? Create turnovers. My magic number is two. If the Bears get two turnovers or more, I think they'll win this ball game. We'll give you our picks of who wins the wins the next hour. But the Bears have to run the ball with some consistency. They have to create turnovers, and you have to do something on special teams. And, and Cleveland has some good special teams as well. So I, I think that the Bears do have a chance in this. Remember uh, Justin Fields' first start there a couple years ago. Remember Matt Nagy was the head coach there. He set that young kid up for disaster. I think it's going to be a very different story this time. How's it going to play out? We'll all find out. But I think the Bears have a better chance this time around than a couple of years ago. Now that the Bears have been playing well defensively, offensively, they're starting to come around a little bit, even though you still have some kinks here and there. I think this thing is coming together for the for Chicago. I mean, look, you know, could they? Yeah, I mean, like, can they stop? Uh, you know, at least slow down the uh, the Browns' uh, offense. Sure, I mean, you got Amari Cooper. Uh, I know they're running back. You know, their their backfield was a little bit banged up. Of course, they've had Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. You know, both those guys are questionable. Elijah Moore has been a very solid uh, receiver for, especially lately with with Flacco on uh, under center. I know their old lines have actually been very solid. I think they're, I think they're like near the bottom when it comes to giving up sacks, which is actually a good thing if you're an old line. Their defense, I know. Look, mm-hmm. we know about Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, but they got a lot of like solid young, you know, young safeties. You know, they got you know Danthony Bell, and of course Greg Newsom Jr., who's you know a name we've we've heard last few years for the Browns. So I, I think, look for me, this is very. I don't want to say it's an evening match, but yeah, the Bears have a shot. I mean, surely we'll see. Look, look, I know this. You know, we're back to where Justin Fields kind of got his career kind of like flourish. You know, because Columbus isn't too far away, and I know he wants to redeem himself after his first start. But I, I think this is definitely going to be one of those games where it could it could very well be a, a toss-up game. I, I think do the Bears have a shot? Sure, but look, there's a reason why uh, Cleveland is um, eight and five and right there in the hunt uh, for a playoff berth. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, the hashtag Football Friday edition. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. We're previewing the Bears Cleveland Browns matchup. There will take will be taking place in the state of Ohio on Sunday. You can watch that game on Fox at 12 noon Central Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. For those of you in Cleveland, uh, if we have any listeners or viewers in Cleveland uh, watching us. Uh, Lakina, you brought up Joe Flacco at the beginning of this. And, and he's he's a veteran quarterback. He's seen every defense known to mankind. And the Bears, uh, if they think they're going to fool Mr. Flacco, they're sadly mistaken. As I said before at the top, I'll say it again. 
if you can force a couple of early turnovers and turn them into points, the Bears will be right there uh, in the ball game. Remember last week, Joe Flacco threw a bad pass with that horrible Jacksonville uh, Jaguars secondary, but the Jaguars failed to turn it into points. And of course, Cleveland uh, got on a roll early. And it was Jacksonville with their injured quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, trying to play catch up, even though they came up short in pulling out the ball game. For this Bears team, even though we talk about the, their offense, we talk about Justin Fields, if Cleveland gets out to early 14, 17, nothing lead, this Bears offense is not designed to come back from double digits. Let me say this again. The Bears offense, the way it stands right now, even though it has improved, improved in spots, if they find themselves down 10 nothings, 10 nothing, I think is more manageable. If it's 14 nothing, 17 nothing, after the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, this Bears team is not situated to come back. So the Bears have to keep the Browns off guard defensively by running the ball with some consistency. Justin Fields has to take care of the football, and the defense has to get pressure on Joe Flacco and create two turnovers or more. And they do those things, they'll win this ballgame. Another important thing is that, you know, keeping uh, Fields uh, upright. You know, Miles Garrett, I know he's been a little bit banged up too with an ankle, but he's been actually still been playing pretty well, even that not 100%, so that's scary a little bit. So I think for me, that O-line mm-hmm. for the Bears needs to keep you know, Fields upright. Yes, we know Fields can improvise, mm-hmm. but you know, look that 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 front seven for for the Browns is actually one of the one of the, the best in the league. Look, this is a Jim Schwartz defense. You know, you know, Jim Schwartz defense, they're gonna blitz you and they're gonna blitz you hard and often. So mm-hmm. that's gonna be the thing where you know Fields got to figure all that out. And look, we've seen it especially in the last week. He's he held, he still has a habit of holding the ball too long. So I think for me, if if he can avoid some sacks, I mean. You know, yeah, the Bears have a shot, but if he gives up a couple of sacks and you know, or gives up, God forbid, you know, a pick six to Garrett, which could very well happen, this could be a long Sunday for the Bears. Yeah, as you mentioned, when Justin Fields holds the ball too long, this Cleveland Browns defense, as you mentioned, is aggressive, and don't don't be fooled that they can't try to uh, do the peanut Tillman punch and try to knock the ball off his hands because if they do that and and the Browns turn it into points. It's going to be a long day for the Chicago for the Chicago Bears. Now, two players to watch or watch for the, from the Cleveland Browns: Martin Emerson from the defensive backfield. And remember, he had two early picks in that first half in the win last week over Jacksonville. That's the one person you should watch out for in that Cleveland Browns secondary. On the flip side, he's on my fantasy team. I know, <laughs> no one cares, but. Tight end David Njoku, who's mm-hmm. been kind of having an up-and-down season, but he's picked it up in the last few weeks. He had two t- two touchdowns last week and yep. close to 100 yards receiving off of six catches. So looks like he's starting to come more. And when we talk about with the Bears linebackers, they had to keep him in check as well. And I think that's going to be a key. And, look, that's probably going to be Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker. I mean, look, someone's going to have to, you know, guard him. Of course, let's not, let's not forget Omari, Omari Cooper. I mean, he's a guy we know, he's, you know, his his days with Dallas and with the Raiders. I mean, he can – look, he can make some big plays when he needs to. And he's actually been, you know, open, you know even better since, you know, Flacco uh, has been in the lineup. So, yeah, I think, look, that's going to be a, a tough – look, could the Bears try to slow those that's, that, that core down? Sure, of course they can. But I think this will probably be the best uh, office that they played in the last few weeks. And, yeah, is it doable for them to slow it down and perhaps maybe you know, force Flacco to make you know, a couple of big mistakes? Sure. But I think for me, this is going to be interesting to see, like, where – look, if you if you want to say, hey, they're in the hunt or if you want them to take the next step, well, you're, you're going to begin and going against a team who's actually been ver- having very solid lately. So, uh, yeah, well, well, this will be a big test for the Bears, no doubt. 
Yeah, and wrapping up our preview here, I want to talk about the running game for the Cleveland Browns. Jerome Ford is one. Kareem Hunt is the backup running back. Uh, the Browns have a plethora of running backs, so they can hit you in a different ways with their running styles. We, we talk about the Bears all season, only came with their running backs, where it's been healthy. Deontay Foreman, Khalil Herbert, and uh, Roshan Johnson. I get the feeling that those running backs run with the same style, which is good to an extent, but if you don't have that change of pace back, it's going to be a problem. I want to see how many touches that Roshan, Roshan Johnson gets because whenever he's in there, Likina, uh, he changes the pace for the Chicago Bears as far as the running game is concerned. Of course, it, also, if you're a running back, you got to learn the protection schemes as well. you, you got to learn how to block. But I think Cleveland has a, a little bit more consistency with their run games with Jerome Ford. He's the, their change of pace back. Kareem Hunt, uh, he was picked up earlier uh, earlier this year uh, due to other various injuries, and he's been doing a fine job in the, uh, as a backup. But Jerome Ford is going to set the tone for their running game for the Browns. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do you know, give give him the ball more um, you know, to kind of you know, keep your fields and the Bears off the field. So I, I, I definitely see them doing that. And also, remember, we haven't talked about this, Sid, but the unique Ngakwe injury, that ankle injury, of course, he's done for the year. He's on IR. He's actually been pretty good. You know, Montez Sweat, they've been you know, playing off each other very well on that front seven. Not having him there, that could be a big factor for the Bears, especially if, you know, for that old line, and, you know, keep Flacco upright and maybe he can make some big numbers. That's something to look out for. So uh, I'm not not hearing a lot of people talk about that, you know, since you know, the news of that broke a couple of days ago. But uh, that could be a big factor for the Bears, especially these next few weeks to tell about they want to make a playoff chase. Yeah, good call there. So that's something that fans should watch out for there on Sunday. Now, uh, real quick, before we break for the bottom of the hour, uh, the wide receivers for the Cleveland Browns. We talk about Amari um, uh, Cooper, and we also uh, talk about some of the other guys they have on there as well as my computer ran out. But they have some a couple of playmakers on offense as well besides uh, besides Amari Cooper. I brought up David Njoku earlier earlier there, tight end. Uh, watch out for him. It's going to be a key for the Bears linebackers with, with Tremaine Edmonds and Jack Zamborn to try to slow him down. If they could do that, I think uh, they'll limit the big play opportunities for uh, for the Cleveland Browns. If they can keep David Njoku in check, I don't think Amari Cooper will uh, will uh, will have a dominant game as uh, people think because I think Jalen Johnson is going to shadow him all day. And if that's the case, uh, it's going it, this is going to be a good test for Jalen Johnson. Th that's for sure. That's going to be more what it is. I mean, look, they all, we know Cooper's been to like four or five Pro Bowls. So, look, this guy knows, you know, has seen pretty much everything. So, uh, Johnson's definitely going to have his work cut out for him. And we'll take a really quick break here at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk, uh, after this break, we're going to talk some NBA as the Bulls get a big win in Miami. They play again on, you know, tomorrow. Don't ask me how that's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> but Kobe White, you know, is making the case for an all-star appearance. And, of course, the rest of the NBA, some uh, very interesting results. And, of course, Draymond and all his weirdness. And, uh, you know, we'll even talk some college hoops. A big historic upset for a local team against another local team. We're going to have that and a whole lot more. Like Keenan McGee, mm -hmm. Sydney Brown, Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago. We go to the hardwood coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. 
these scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. Caruso gets the bounce. Oh, Welcome back. He's had two good shooting games against the Bulls. Here's Caruso. Oh, bang, bang, bang. On Martin. Jump past Caruso into Vucevic. Nice maneuvering. There you go. Robinson covered him up. So he takes to DeRozan. Two defenders out on him. He spins a pass to Kobe White. For three. Bang, bang, bang. You see him working hard against Lowry. Nice pass oh, by Williams. Bang. So many good things for this team. Good pass to Osumu to Vucevic. Another good pass. There's the double. DeRozan to White. Kicks to Dosumo on the biggest night of his season. Why not? A dagger three by Dosumo. Wow. All right. Go ahead, Seth. Go ahead, no, you go. Go. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago on this hashtag Football Friday edition. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. 
You can follow yours truly on the Twitter, X and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. Ah, those darn delays. You can follow my Kenny McGee on the Twitter, X. I can't scrub again, the IG. We have less than 85 minutes left of this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always find us at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions and comments in the comments section. McKenna will get them up on the screen for you. And those highlights coming back from the break are courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. All right, so with a big win for the Bulls as they beat the Heat, 124, well, literally and figuratively, 124-116. Uh, Kobe White with a uh, with a uh, another real big you know, game, 26 points and 11 assists for him. Uh, Vucic did with 24 and 12, while Demar had 23. But it was the big story was Io Desumu who. Played like you, you probably say he played like the Illinois. I, 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 I this mm-hmm. he had 24 off the bench. You know that left the way for the Bulls. I think that's the first time I think in a, in, a, in a few years that the that the Bulls have had four players score 20 plus points. So nice team effort. You know when they're uh, kind of a little, a little bit of kind of a back and forth, but you know they, you know they, they made just enough shots to win the game. That he has, you know, Kobe White speaking of has at least three three pointers in 12 consecutive games. Uh, four games longer than the next longest such streak in team history. It's also five games longer than the other any other active such streak. You know, Desmond Bain and Steph Curry, you know, they each had seven. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, White still, Kobe still making some big, you know, big records here after a couple of tough losses against the Bucks and, of course, the Divinity Champion Nuggets. But, you know, a nice little bounce back win for the Bulls to go to 10 and 16 as we're recording this. Yeah, it was a nice back, bounce back win for the Chicago Bulls last night. As you mentioned, those tough losses to both uh, Denver and Milwaukee. Both of them, they had their chances to win. Well, obviously, Milwaukee was much tougher because you took them into overtime. But last night's game, Lakina, as I told you on this show the last couple of weeks, the Bulls have played better team basketball with Zach Levine being injured than they have had all season long. And last night, as a team, the Bulls had 32 assists again. You mentioned with the five. Uh, players uh, with over 20 plus points. So like I said, Ayo Dusumu had extended playing time because of the early injury to Alex Caruso. Hopefully he's okay for tomorrow. But Dusumu took advantage of his opportunities. He made the most of it. You mentioned Kobe White. As we we were the first ones in the city of Chicago to say it, no one else, to my knowledge anyway, has said this yet. But if Kobe White keeps playing like this, he should be in the All-Star game in February in Indianapolis representing the Bulls. We'll see what happens with that. But you mentioned Vucevic, his game has picked up. Patrick Williams, Lakina, uh, Adam Amin, and Stacey Keaton uh, uh, mentioned something on the broadcast, I believe, last night and said that, that, that they haven't seen uh, Patrick Williams play with this much intensity in a long time. And you saw it again last night. Patrick Williams had a total of nine points and two rebounds. But his energy and his toughness is needed for this team right now, and he's been bringing it. Even before Zach Levine got hurt, he was starting to turn turn it around. The stat line didn't show it last night, but you can see his energy has picked up. Torrey Craig coming off the bench, uh, he, he did it once again last night. And DeMar DeRozan, I don't know about you, Lakina, but he's starting to feel comfortable in that number one role without Zach Levine. Yeah, and he exactly. hit not one but two three-point shots in the first quarter last night. Yeah, <laughs> How ironic is that? 
Yeah, I mean, look, there's like a little bit, you kind of feel like he's a little more comfortable playing this type of style of offense with Zach, you know, now, you know, with Zach being hurt and everything is kind of like sort of, you know, coming up, you know, coming up here for the Bulls. I mean, they've been playing a little bit better, a lot better. They've been playing with a little more intensity. They're playing with a little bit more urgency. Like I said, I know they had a couple of tough losses. They probably they probably could have won at least one, maybe not both of them, but they probably definitely could have won one of those uh, those two uh, games, especially you know with Nikola Jokic you know being led you know sent to the showers. But we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But you know, the, for me, I think this, this Bulls team is kind of showing you why this is sort of the team that we probably should should have seen you know this whole season. Because you see, you know, P. Will. Well, P. Will wants to get that big contract, so he's playing better. Io wants to do the whole prove it thing with that new contract he got. So I think for me, I think this this sort of like they're finally playing with this as an urgency. They probably should have been playing or you know, since the beginning of the season. Yes, and and I'm sure they uh, head coach Billy Donovan is using this tactic in the lock in the locker room. No one's believing in in us. Uh, everybody's counting us out. Yes, you can use that tactic that could only go so far, but when you come up against better teams, uh, that's not going to be enough. And the Bulls have a tough schedule uh, coming up. I know they play Philadelphia in a couple of days after they finish with finish the two-game series on the road at the Miami tomorrow night, Saturday, for those listening back on the replay at War Media Podcast. But at the Miami tomorrow night, you play Philadelphia on Monday, and then it gets tougher as the calendar year uh, closes out. So, Zach Levine, uh, is he important? Is is he important to this Bulls team? Yes, because of his talent. But the way this Bulls team is playing right now, uh, it is very good. He's starting to see the other players shine. But well, when it comes to when you face better teams, Lakina, uh, you're gonna need somebody like Zach Levine uh, to to push you through. Of course, uh, he's still gonna be out a few more weeks with that foot injury. But when it comes to better teams like Philadelphia. Boston, I believe they play the. Uh, you have the schedule in front of you. Uh, when they play some of these better teams, you're gonna need that. You, you're gonna need that other uh, knockout punch score to to help you out at times. The way Demar Derozan is playing right now is great. The way Vucevic is playing right now, great. The way Kobe White is playing, great. You know how streaky he is as a not just as a shooter but as a scorer. When he goes down, who else is gonna pick up his leg? The way they're playing right now as a team is beautiful, but when you come up against those big teams, uh, uh, you're going to need someone to go toe-to-toe with their uh, superstar player. And the Bulls right now, because of Zach Levine's absence, just doesn't have that. Even though you should appreciate what they've been doing right now, playing team basketball and the other players around and getting more shine. Well, I think this will show this shows to those teams, and hopefully, I'm sure Miami probably learned the lesson. I think they will learn a couple, you know, months ago. But especially now that this, you know, the Bulls are longer and easy because you you heard all the rumors and all the outside noise. And I'm sure Donovan has probably told his guys you know, to kind of ignore all that. And, but then you know you've got these other teams. You know, I'm sure you know Miami. You know, they learn. I'm sure Philadelphia going to learn in a couple of days that you, this is not going to be an easy win for the Bulls. They're going to make you earn every single bit of it. You saw what happened those last uh, couple of nights back. So uh, let me just see if they can keep this up now. As far as the rest of the schedule, uh, uh, the schedule for uh, the NBA is concerned, we'll start with uh, in, the, you know, in Los Angeles. Uh, the Clippers got a nice win against uh, the Warriors. We'll talk about the Warriors and all their issues in a second. 121-113 last night. Um, it looks like your Harden's still trying to, you know, kind of inching close to close to get, becoming the Harden that we know. 26 points, 15 ass, uh, assists for him, also four blocks. So, uh, a really solid showing. They're starting to get better. They're 14 and 10 about the clip. I'm talking about the Clippers, and uh, they're definitely kind of like you know, making a little bit of a move here. I know that the Clippers were without Paul George last night, and so they had to pick up the slack. Kawhi Leonard had a nice game as well. 
And James Harden, congratulations to him for, for scoring 25,000 career points. Uh, he achieved that feat last night. Uh, I'll start this a little bit on the on the other side uh, regarding the Golden State Warriors. We'll get to Draymond uh, in, in a bit. But, like, you know, we talked about this on the show before the season started in our previous show. Clay Thompson, you know, he had a horrible shooting series last year against the Lakers in the playoffs. That was one of the reasons why the Warriors got eliminated. But this year, uh, he's still trying to get his uh, uh, his legs back. His shot is falling off. And there's there, there's been talk around the league. And I was watching the inside the NBA postgame show uh, from the other night when they lost to Phoenix on TNT. It was Jamal Crawford, Grant Hill, and Vince Carter. Nice to see him back on television. And they were talking about should uh, the Warriors bring Clay Thompson off the bench. I said, hmm, especially now with Draymond Green's suspension, uh, I don't think that'll be exactly a bad idea. Now, Chris Paul has worked out for them great coming off the bench. I know him and, and Chris, him and um, Steph Curry has seen time together on the floor at the same time, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Steve Kerr will pull that trigger, but he's going to have to do something else. As Draymond Green is going to be out, and definitely due to that suspension, I know we'll get to his part in a minute. But I don't think it'll be such a bad idea to bring Clay Thompson off the bench to, to get some. Uh, to get his confidence back. Yeah, I think it might help him because he is definitely in a little bit of a shooting stuff right now, talking about Thompson. And I don't know, Wiggins hasn't been, you know, playing you know, very well either. So I think th this might be one of those things where you you wonder, like, okay, you know, is it, you know, the, the Draymond stuff, you know, aside, I think you wonder, is it age, you know, for some of these, uh, for some of these guys? I mean, you saw, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely one of those things where you saw, like, you know, guys have been struggling. I know that, uh, you know, some of the guys are supporting guys. I know, like I said, Wiggins has been struggling lately. Um, you know, it's just, just like, it's, it's unfortunate that this is sort of like the thing where maybe the mix isn't working or maybe it's the age of the, of, you know, Clay and Steph, you know, they're all, you know, they're all getting up there now in their 30s. So I'm wondering, is all that kind of playing a bit of a factor? And look, Jonathan Kaminga has been kind of struggling a bit. Um, mm -hmm. Calvin Looney has been struggling too. So it could be a, a whole mixture of things. So I think, you know, for me, uh, yeah, I mean, let's wait till like, if by January they're still, you know, kind of struggling and meandering, I think I'm not going to seriously say that, you know, the Warriors are probably done for, but it, it's it's rough out there in the Bay Area uh, so far. It is, uh, you mentioned, with all the injuries and all the basketball that, that that this group has played over the last few years, minus the COVID year and minus 2021 when they lost to Memphis in the play-in tournament regarding Steph Curry and Klay Thompson playing, and Draymond Green, too, uh, playing all those games uh, from preseason and deep into June uh, at the latest. Uh, and, and it takes a toll on you. Now, just to uh, give, you, uh, give you a note that Klay Thompson did score 30 points last night. He did have one of his best games uh, of this young season so far. But the question is, can he continue that momentum? Uh, if he can't, obviously the Warriors, I think, will be okay until Draymond Green returns. But if Clay Thompson continues to struggle, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long struggle for Golden State. And if you're going to depend on Steph Curry to bail you out, uh, that's going to work in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to be disastrous. Um, the Sacramento got a nice win against OKC, uh, 128-123. De'Aaron Fox had 41 points, which is a career. High for him. Uh, Denver with a nice bounce back win against Brooklyn. Um, you know, after you know, joked after being you know sent you know packing you know for something stupid here in Chicago. Uh, he bounced back with another uh, near triple double, twenty six points there. Uh, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Boston beat Cleveland, uh, one sixteen one oh seven. Now Brooklyn, Brooklyn actually, 
you know, oddly enough, they actually, you know, prior to that night, they actually upset the Suns, 116-112. And I know that um, the Suns don't have not don't have neither. Uh, I know I know Beal is out. We know Beal's out. I know Durant is just coming back. He had 27, but unfortunately, you know, to the Nets' credit, they were able to kind of their young guns were able to kind of come come in and upset uh, Phoenix and Phoenix. Yeah, the Lakinas are reviewing games from Wednesday now. But uh, you talk about the the Phoenix Suns the night before. I know we'll get to it in a second when they beat Golden State. Uh, we talk about the about health about this Phoenix Suns team. That's going to be the question all year long. When we will see Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant on the floor at the same time? That was the plan going into the year, of course. Bradley's, Bradley Beal has been, has missed most of the time so far this year, but whenever he gets healthy, providing the other two, Booker and Durant, stay healthy, this Phoenix Suns team is dangerous. And don't forget about Yusef Nurkic, the one who got hit in the face uh, the other night by Draymond Green. I, I told you before the season started, he provides that defensive energy inside that the Suns team is needed. Who's going to get the rebounds? You know, Nurkic has stepped up to the challenge, and, and he balanced out that line. Don't forget about Eric Gordon, the veteran. He's, he has to play. He's been playing a little bit more than I originally thought because of the injuries to Bradley Beal. And, of course, Grayson Allen, uh, even though he's a nutcase, he brings that energy defensively off, off the bench for Phoenix, and that's another key element as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Phoenix, you know, you know on Tuesday, they did, they did beat the Warriors. So like, that was a nice win for them. But also, too, yeah, they lost a tough one to Brooklyn. Uh, the, the Lakers, uh, in, you know, I know they had a, they had a tough, uh, tough go at it on Tuesday, but they did get a, a, a nice bounce back a win. You know, and it's, it's interesting because I know that, you know, some people say, oh, they're going to have banners up and such. I mean, but look, let, let, let them have their little fun if they want to. You know, celebrate the NCAA tournament, whatever. Go ahead, but they they uh, beat San Antonio one twenty two one nineteen. You know, AD had thirty seven points leading the way there. Um, Milwaukee beat Indy. Now, I want to talk about this game for a second. Uh, Giannis had a, a career high sixty four, but apparently, I guess there was. I guess they couldn't find the game ball or something happened, and, and I guess someone from the Pacers like took the the game ball and. And I guess, you know, I just wasn't very happy about that. And I guess they gave him a ball, but it wasn't, I don't think it was the game ball. That whole thing just seemed very petty and silly. I know some people said that was good for the NBA because everyone's so nice, but it just seemed like really like very grade school stuff. It was just like, seriously, like, <laughs> game ball. my God. Yeah, after Giannis uh, eclipsed the record, the previous uh, franchise record of 58 points, it was 57 set by Michael Red many years ago. Of course, Giannis was taken out of the game, but once Indiana made that run and got it down to 10, well, I think it was over a little bit over 90 seconds left. Of course, Adrian Griffith, the new Bucks head coach, uh, put all the starters back in. Of course, uh, Giannis uh, uh, added some points to that record. You know, the Pacers took exception to that. And, of course, uh, they said after the game, oh, one of our rookies uh, scored his first NBA points, so that's why we took the ball. Of course, Giannis chased him down in the locker room. I think one of the assistants to the GM of the Pacers got uh, elbowed real bad and had one of his ribs cracked, which was terrible. But it was all brouhaha in the hallway after the game. And, and like you said, it was just bad, to be honest with you. Yeah, Um yeah, I mean, it was just very silly, and I know that people say, well, you know, this is good for the NBA, but yeah, I mean, you know, come on, folks, really, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that, that whole thing was just silly and all, also petty. Uh, real real quick, you know, through these um, Monday games, and, you know, like, like I said, um, you, know, you know, Dallas beat uh, Memphis, of course, we talked about Chicago uh, losing to uh, the, the, the Bucks. speaking of, in overtime, uh, OKC beat Utah, and, uh, 
you know, the Knicks had a pretty up and down, uh, up and down week. You know, they lost, you know, you know their last game, but they did beat the the Raptors um, on Monday. Uh, one forty six, uh, you know, one oh one, you know, forty seven points. Uh, uh, the Sixers beat the uh, beat meet the Wizards by. And uh, yeah, if you took the over on that game, yeah, that was a pretty bad. <laughs> um, and, De- and Detroit, I mean, you, you feel bad for the folks in Detroit. I mean, what, 21 in a row that they've now lost. And, and you know, they lost against you know, the, the, the Sixers a couple of nights ago. That's 22 in a row um, for them. And I think, yeah, that's the, like the last time that and I know that the Spurs, yeah, I mean, just a, you know, just a very rough show for the, those younger teams. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just like you, you feel for the people in Detroit because that, that was just a. You thought that maybe that they were going to take some stuff this year with uh, mm-hmm. you know, with the okay Cunningham and some of the other great you know young players that got on their team, but so far it, ha- it has not worked out. Yeah, Monty Williams, I, I, I know he knew what he signed up for, but I, I'm sure he didn't think it was going to get this bad. Bad. I know he took the back to go uh, coach uh, this young Pistons team, but you mentioned the town that they have a Jalen Ivy in. And Kate Cunningham, it just hasn't happened yet. And when is when is going to happen? Hopefully sooner rather than later, within the next uh, couple of years. Because if this continues, uh, it, it's uh, it's really going to get bad. And you know those uh, those fans in Detroit have been patient for a long time. But uh, just like those Philadelphia 76ers fans in the last decade, with the trust the whole process uh, nonsense. At some point, uh, the the meter is just going to go off, and and it's not going to be pretty. Mm-mm. We'll see if they can kind of get it together here um, as we uh, you know, go through the schedule for uh, this this weekend in the NBA, of course. You know, t- uh, tonight, Friday, you got uh, the Pelicans against the Hornets. Uh, Detroit, they'll try to uh, snap that uh, bad win streak. I- I'm sure Philly will be waiting for them. They play <laughs> them again. I'm not repeating myself. This is back-to-back. You know, don't don't ask. Uh, the-, the Pacers and the-, the Wizards at six. Then you got the Magic and the Celtics. Uh, Atlanta and Toronto, the first game of the ESPN doubleheader. Once again, uh, you've got these uh, Spurs once again hosting the Lakers. Look, I, I don't don't ask me why I'm not repeating myself because these two kids <laughs> did play a couple of nights ago. Hopefully, LeBron James returns tonight. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he probably will. I know he took a rest day uh, for that game. Yeah, they really didn't need him. Uh, Houston and Memphis. And the second game of that ESPN Friday doubleheader, you got the Knicks and the Suns. We'll see if the Suns can bounce back tonight. Tomorrow, Saturday, your schedule looks like this. Uh, the Bulls will play the Miami Heat again. Like Lakina, don't ask us why the NBA schedule it this way. <laughs> uh, your other matchups is the Pistons will visit Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. Uh, 76ers will play the Charlotte Hornets. Atlanta will visit Cleveland. That's the first game of the NBA TV uh, doubleheader for Saturday night. Uh, the Pacers will face the much-improved Minnesota Timberwolves. The Brooklyn Nets will travel to the Bay Area to take on Golden State. Uh, the OKC Thunder will take on the Denver Nuggets. That should be a high-scoring affair there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas will travel to Portland to take on the the, trail, the struggling Trailblazers. And the nightcap, the Saturday nightcap of the NBA TV doubleheader, will see the Utah Jazz take on the Sacramento Kings. And Sunday to wrap up the weekend in the NBA, you got Orlando and Boston at two. Um, then you got the Pelicans and the Spurs at two thirty. Then the Rockets and the Bucks at six. You got the Suns hosting the Wizards, and you got the Warriors and the Bla- the, the Trailblazers at eight o'clock on Sunday night. 
And that's your schedule for the NBA this weekend as you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, the hashtag Football Friday edition. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. Before you get to your college basketball nuggets, Lakina, I want to ask you about Draymond Green. He punched Yusef Nurkic in the face from the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday in the, in the loss uh, to the Suns. The league has suspended Draymond Green indefinitely. I know Dr- Draymond Green did apologize to Nurkic in the press conference following the loss on Tuesday night. Uh, what did you think about this, Lakina? Of course, Draymond Green has been known for this throughout his career. He tried to sell the call. I, I don't think he meant to punch Nurkic in the face, but he meant to intimidate him, and it went way too far. Yeah, I mean, it's getting kind of old. I'm, I'm kind of like what the guys on the inside the NBA uh, said. You you mentioned earlier, of course, you know, uh, you know, the guys were honoring Ernie Johnson for going into the the, the, the sports, uh, you mm-hmm. know, broadcasting Hall of Fame. So that's why you had uh, the guys that did mention on there. And I think it was Jamal Crawford, I think, who said it best. Where I think that he's getting a little too old to be acting this way. He's 34. I know that he lost one of his, you know, college teammates. We talked about him, Adrian Payne, a few months back. I know that they had lost touch over the years, which, look, you know, they, you know, you get married, you got to get kids, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's got to be something. I know that one of the conditions is that he has to go to, like, you know, counseling and, you know, talk to, you know, talk to a therapist or what have you. That's one of the conditions of, of that indefinite suspension. So, I mean – you know, you, you wonder that, you know, can he get it together? Can he, uh, you know, finally be that, you know, sort of like that mature, you know, guy that we saw? I know, I know Rasheed Wallace said some stuff on his podcast where, oh, you know, that that's from the, uh, the old, like, Malice in the Palace from 04, but I'm, I'm kind of like, it's a little bit deeper than that, but uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a little bit more mental for a drama than anything else, and all that aside. Real quick, I was listening to the NBA Ringer podcast this morning uh, with Logan Murdoch and uh, former NBA player um, Raja Bell. And both of them, um, Raja Bell brought up this point. How much uh, resentment, I'm just paraphrasing here, how much resentment do the players on the Warriors have for Draymond Green right now? And when, if and when, when he comes back, uh, will, the, will his teammates open up their arms to him or will there be some resentment left over? We all talked about the situation last year before the season started, him punching Jordan Poole, and you saw it had a major effect on their season, even though they did win a did win that first round playoff series against Sacramento last year. You saw in the regular season last year that had an effect, and they couldn't get it together consistently enough all year long. This year is due to not just him, but in other injuries as well. Do you think his teammates will, will be as welcoming as we think they will be whenever he returns? I don't know. Yeah, I- yeah, I think it's going to really going to depend on what Steph does. I think Steph's going to, everyone's going to follow Steph's lead, and this it's going to be how he reacts. I mean, you saw you kind of you know, welcomed him. Look, we don't know what he says to Draymond behind closed doors. I'm sure he and you know Coach Kerr and Clay may probably will pro- probably all might kind of give him a what for behind the scenes. You know, we'll probably will never know what's said unless someone says it. So for me, I, I just think that you know what I mean. It'll, like I said, it will just depend on what Steph does. Like I think they'll just follow his lead. I think. Okay, and your college basketball nugget. You know what? No, no, uh, you, know what? Let's, you know what? No, no, you know what? Well, let's take a break first because because uh, okay. I'm gonna have to rush through it because we got Vincent Young know, coming up in a few minutes. So okay. uh, let's take a really quick break. We'll talk about college hoops and uh, Sid's gonna start watching college hoops whether he likes it or not. That way, I don't have to be talking about it for. Hey, you know I love college, college basketball. Don't do that now. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh, sure. Okay. Uh, well, we got Vincent Sapiro from Sapiro. Uh, I got. I got. I probably get his name right. Uh, from Lockdown Dodgers, uh, you know, Dodgers are making some big moves, and also, too, in other MLB uh, habits going on. Of course, our girl, uh, character is Christine Manica on deck. You'll come up next this, you know, this hour as well, coming up. 
Lakina McGee, second Cindy Brown, second season sports on Sports of Chicago. A busy hour two coming up right after this. my lane no not at all are you not paying attention are you texting I was just checking in with my mom I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six it's okay there's enough time just pay attention I'm not even halfway through my text there's no way I'm not even going to look up my babies are in the car you have to pay attention it's supposed to be a quick text I'm so sorry Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to hour number two of Second City Sports on this hashtag Football Friday edition. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports So Chicago. I'm Sid, that's Lakina. You can follow Yoshi Lee on the Twitter, X, and the IG at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter, X, at Keena again, IG. We have less than an hour left for this extravaganza we call a sports talk radio show. If you have any questions or comments, especially for our next guest coming up in a few minutes, Mr. Vincent Semperio from Locked on Dodgers podcast. 
You can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago YouTube. Type in those questions and comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can also catch Sports on Chicago live right now on Roku TV. All right, Sid. Uh, yeah, we gotta do this wrap up fire because we got Vincent coming on in a couple of minutes. Some college, some big college hoops news, and I and I and I think you know if you in case you missed it a couple of days ago, um, Chicago State, the Cougars. Uh, they are actually going to be going to the Northeast Conference uh, next year. Uh, they finally don't have to go all the way to the West Coast to play some of their games after this year. I know that the folks are going to be very happy about that. But they beat Northwestern 75-73. They were 0-15 all-time against Northwestern before before this. And this is actually a, a really big, uh, big showing for that program in the uh, it's definitely one of those like big step ups. And look, you look at Northwestern, especially because uh, you know coming off uh, beating Purdue, this is the kind of loss. And I and I've heard you know various people you know say this, but this is the kind of loss I can kind of you know get you you know come back to bite you in the butt in March. And but at the same time, though, a great showing for Gerard Gillum and uh, Gillian Gillen, I should say, and the rest of the uh, Cougars program. A big win for them. Yes, congratulations to that college basketball team that resides at 95th and King Drive on the south side there. It was a great effort for those young men, and they beat it, uh, one of those uh, one of the top teams in the Big Ten, one of the toughest con- conferences in the country in terms of college basketball. So congratulations to them. On the flip side, Lakina, you are correct. This loss could come back to bite Chris Collins and crew in the but in terms of seeding in the NCAA tournament if they perhaps uh, are able to make it and what happens in the, in the Big Ten tournament. But we, talk, we talked about this Northwestern team last year, Lakina. It was a great story for them going back to the NCAA tournament. Boo Booey, uh, one of their big stars, he's re, he's returned uh, back to the teams uh, for uh, for another run this year. We all know that all, offense, they're offensively challenged at times. I'm talking about Northwestern, but they can score the ball uh, in, in spurts as well. And like you say, Lakina, after a big win over Purdue, the, their project is one of the top teams in the country with Zach Eady. Uh, this was a classic letdown, and it did show it, especially in the last few minutes of that game. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those, like you said, this is definitely one of those like glaring like g- games in the resume. Yeah, this kind of cancels out. Unfortunately, this kind of cancels out that Purdue win. Mm-hmm. So you know, this win, you know, for North, you know, this loss, I should say, for Northwestern. I mean, it's just like, but 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 again, you know what? It's uh, yeah, you know, they end, up, they end up somehow win the Big Ten tournament. You kind of they'll forget about it, but at the same time, though, like this is like you know red light uh, for the for the the committee. So, uh, but they were the only ones to be fair that got upset. I mean, UNLV beat uh, Creighton um, in Vegas. Uh, who? Well, yeah, I mean, though, though there were some other upsets as well. So yeah, I mean, they weren't the only ones talking about Northwestern, but this was one of those upsets where. UNLV's actually playing very well this year. I mean, that Mountain West Conference looks like they could get four or five teams in this year. But this one here, I mean, look, we know Chicago State, they're they're trying to get a football team going. They actually got folks mm-hmm. there in charge. They're, like they, they're going to be invested in some, you know, getting some good competitive sports teams. They're going to a very solid conference in the Northeast. That way they don't have to travel a lot. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this could be one of those things that definitely help uh, that program build up. Yeah, uh, with the victories and victories like this over Northwestern, like you say, it could help with recruitment down the road. I believe former Chicago Bear Chris Zorch is the AD over there there now. If you correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he he's over there heading that uh, heading that athletic department. And like you said, if they 
momentum going up in the right direction keeps happening like this, like I said, you, you'll get some decent athletes uh, to come to your school and not just compete in basketball and football and football as well whenever they get that program going. So uh, if they continue on this momentum swing, the arrow is just pointing up, will be pointing up from here. Yeah, and uh, I forgot who that the AD is. I don't. It, it, it's yeah. I mean, yeah. I think they just they just change ads. So uh, okay. they they yeah. You know, I think that that's you know, that that. But but even still, I mean, I know that they've got people there that you know that they are kind of invested in you know getting you know like I said they're going to be hopefully they'll put a football team in in, in a couple of years and other stuffs happening as well. They're actually going to put some money into invest. So yeah, it'll be interesting what happens now happens here with that with you know, the athletic program and how they can build on something like this. And um, going into this weekend, real quick before I know our, our buddy, this is probably waiting in the wings here mm -hmm. going into tomorrow. You got LSU in Texas, LVM ESPN two at 11 AM uh, on the WGN network and the CW network. You're wherever your local affiliate is Miami hosts LaSalle defying Tim Lakers as, as I call them. Of course, he's a, he was a big recruit uh, over there and, and then Philly or with LaSalle, uh, Kansas goes against Indiana on CBS. That's at 11. I'll be watching that one. Yeah, that should be a fun one. I know they've had their struggles this year. I'm talking about Indiana, but uh, Kansas, you know, Hunter Dickinson, of course, you're going back to the Big Ten. That should be a – well, I, well, no, I think he's just suspended. So, uh, yeah, he must, might be a, still missing that suspension. Uh, Michigan State, who's been struggling, they uh, host Baylor, who's been playing very well this year. That will be on the Big Fox Network. Uh, let's see what else big no oh UIC uh host uh Western Michigan. Uh Houston uh meets Texas A&M that should be a fun one on ESPN too. The Battle of the Tigers you got Clemson number thirteen Clemson and I think they only have one loss this year. I'm talking about Clemson. They uh face uh, the funny uh Penny Hardaways uh the Memphis Tigers at two. That should be a fun one. Uh, UCLA and, and Ohio State, that'll be at 2 o'clock. That should be a fun matchup between two historic programs. Uh, let's see. Uh, Florida Atlantic, they're still in beam. They face St. Bonaventure on ESPNU. Chicago State will try to you know, keep that letdown, uh, keep from that letdown as they face uh, Valpo at 3 o'clock. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, a couple uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, just a couple other highlight games of note. You got Arizona Purdue at 3:30 tomorrow on Peacock. Too bad this game is not on the big NBC network, yeah. but you know, that was yeah. the deal that they signed with them. Uh North Carolina, Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic. That's at 4:30 p.m. Central Standard Time on CBS. And the Fox Saturday night game will feature Alabama visiting number eight Creighton. Also to uh, DePaul uh, host uh, Northwestern. I'm sure Northwestern will not be in a very good mood after losing Chicago State at home. So uh, <laughs> safe to say that, uh, yeah, the Chris Collins and his guys will be ready to uh, kind of redeem themselves or uh, with that after that uh, tough loss there. Now, real quick, Rio, for Sunday, you got Illinois uh, meeting Colgate. That's a noon on the Big Ten Network. Um, other games of note here. Uh, Illinois State and North Dakota State. Um, we got Colorado State, they're undefeated. Well, they only got one loss. They they face uh Colorado Pueblo, and uh, that's it. Yeah, the uh, Washington will, tr will try to uh, you know, get out of that letdown as they face Seattle on the road. You know, going on them, you know, they're kind of going across town. Uh, they'll be ESPN Plus and uh, Nevada, who's been playing very well too. They face Hawaii. 
All right, you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, the Friday edition. I'm Sid, that's Lakina. And right now, we're going to talk a, a lot of Los Angeles Dodgers baseball and the biggest signing in the offseason in Major League Baseball as the Dodgers have reached a contract uh, with free agent in the biggest star of the sport, Mr. Shohei Otani. And to help us discuss that and a whole lot more within the Dodgers and uh, plus a little bit of MLB talk as well. He's the co-host on the Locked on Dodgers podcast. You can find Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcast, or you can watch it right here on YouTube. And one of the co-hosts of that podcast is Mr. Vince Semperio. Vince, welcome to the show. How are you, my man? Hey, appreciate you guys for having me. I'm I'm good, man. Uh, Tony's a Dodger, so no complaints over here. <laughs> yes, uh, we, we're doing just fine. Uh, before we get started, I was listening to your podcast, the latest episode, or earlier this morning, and you were there uh, in, in the press conference. I know there was a whole bunch of foreign media members, especially from uh, Japan. Uh, before we get in, into the actual signing and, and the language and the contract, what was the atmosphere like? I mean, it was, you know, I've been to a lot of events at Dodger Stadium. And for a press conference or for media, this was, you know, up there in terms of the number of mm -hmm. people. And, you know, it, it's kind of different because, you know, the difference between the Japanese media, you know, they're really just covering Otani where, you know, some of the media here are covering the Dodgers and then Otani is part of that. So it, it's, you know, re revered, like they revere him. He's a he's a hero out there. And, you know, I, I've kind of seen it through the World Baseball Classic, through MLB All-Star, and now, now with the Dodgers, it, it's, you know, a different respect that they have for him. And it was cool to see. And, uh, yeah, just starting the rodeo of, of what Otani will be in, in L.A., well, the real L.A. now. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's funny you said that the real L.A. because um... – We've heard some of the other uh, teams that were in contention. You know, Atlanta was a contention, supposedly. Toronto, I think, that's one of the favorites. The Cubs here in Chicago as well. It was, but it was basically Dodgers or bust. So, uh, well, what? what how do you think that Otani got to this decision? Was it really because you know what? It's a familiar, just going to like you know the more like historic, you know, historical franchises as opposed to the Angels the last few years. Yeah, it felt like you know winning was obviously a priority for him. He spent six years. With the Angels, didn't make the playoffs, and you know the Dodgers have made the playoffs eleven years in a row. I feel like that was a the huge part of it, and he kind of mentioned that was one of the reasons. But it was interesting because you know he the reports were he didn't talk about his discussions or negotiations with other teams, but all the reports were that he basically offered kind of the same deal he gave the Dodgers to anybody else. Uh, his agent even confirmed that they went back to the Angels after the Dodgers offer, and you know kind of gave them last last chance to at least match it or or have another conversation and, and the angels didn't want to do that. So, yeah, I think it, it came down to the winning. It came down to the Dodgers. And, and honestly, like, I feel like he would have signed with the Dodgers or maybe another national league team back in 2017 had the, had the DH been in place already. Uh, I feel like the angels were kind of just beneficiaries of the DH not being in both leagues at the time. Uh, the language in Shohei Atani's contract and the deferred money has a, uh, People, people talking about it over these uh, last few days. Uh, of course, he has a lot of deferred money coming to him after that 10-year contract that's up. But I want to get to the other language part in his contract. It, 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 of course, the early reports were if uh, one of these two guys, GM Andrew Freeman or the owner, if one of them is let go and decides to step down, he will become a free agent at the end of the season. Talk to us about that. How did that come about? Yeah, so it, he won't become a free agent, but he has the ability to opt out yeah. if he wanted to. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of said it was a safety net of sorts. You know, I, I would imagine being with a team like the Angels, 
or you know being on any team that that you know maybe didn't make playoffs or or didn't kind of approach it the way you want to build a team uh you know kind of gives them some some safety there if hey the guys that signed me kind of like you know college recruits when they go somewhere and the head mm-hmm. coach that recruited them leaves you know now with transfer portal it's easy for them to kind of to leave too and i feel like that's kind of what it was he these are the guys that brought me in. These are the guys that, you know, promised me everything or gave me everything that I wanted. And if these guys aren't there anymore, I want to be able to decide for myself, do I still want to be there after? Yeah, very uh, definitely a very team-friendly deal, I guess. I know the, the $700 million number, I think, you know, is throwing a lot of folks off guard. But the fact that the language of it, you know, he can opt out after a few years. He can, you know, you know the money can be deferred a different, and kind of like, you know, when you're paying like a car payment, I guess. So that's actually pretty cool to give the dollars that kind of flexibility. And speaking of, you know, showing is not the only uh, big uh, free agent side for the Dodgers. I mean, they traded for Tyler Glass, now, of course, a veteran pitcher from the Rays. And not only that, they gave him a five-year, $135 million contract extension. So, uh, yeah, this definitely beefs up that that starting lineup, which they desperately need. And you saw how glaring they were – how they were missing that in the last couple of seasons in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they 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 came into this offseason. Otani was obviously the big fish. But the fact that he couldn't pitch next year was, you know, tough on them because they did need pitchers. You know, Clayton Kershaw, if he does come back, wouldn't be until the second half of the season. Walker Buehler's coming off – you know, Tommy John surgery, tried to come back late last year, didn't make it. Then they got, you know, a few young guys, Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, uh, or Ryan Pepio was going to give him be one of those guys. Now he's heading to the race. So they, they still have a little, you know, some work to do this offseason. They still, I think, need one more pitcher. But getting Glass now, you know, adds that ace. You know, he he's had issues with injuries, Tommy John in the past as well. But if he can be healthy, you know, he's got top-tier stuff. And it, it, it gives you somebody that can start game one of a playoff series. We're hanging out with our guy, Vincent Samperio, from the co-host of from the Locked On Dodgers podcast. He's on live in Living Color right here on Sports on Chicago, Second City Sports. St. Lakina, hang out here with you. We talk about the Otani signing. As uh, We talk about Otani's impact on the field. Let's talk about his impact off the field. Of course, the Los Angeles Dodgers are not just a national brand, but a worldwide brand. And, of course, Otani's going to get more, perhaps more money in advertising dollars. I know some folks in Baseball wanted him to play on the East Coast. That's why Toronto was in play. But how much do you think uh, do you think that the uh, folks on the East Coast and here in the Central Time Zone uh, will grab on to Otani uh, Medium? Because most of the home games, as you know, Vince, uh, local time, your, your, your time start at 7 o'clock. Of course, it's 9 o'clock here in the Central Time Zone, 10 o'clock in the East. Uh, do you think that that the time uh, – the time difference will 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 be a, will be a difference maker. Do you think it will be a matter at all going forward with Otani now joining the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to lose a good amount of audience on the East Coast in terms of watching live. You know, at 10 p.m. unless you really want to stay up or you have a job where you're going later, you're probably going to sleep before the game ends. I do think being on the Dodgers at least will kind of ramp that up a little bit compared to where he was before, just because you know the. Dodgers do have some fans still in New York from, you know, maybe passed down from the Brooklyn days or people that moved around the country. And then, you know, being in games that matter that, that, you know, especially coming to August, September, you know, fighting for a playoff spot or fighting for the number one seed or whatever they're fighting for at the time. uh, I think that'll matter. And then I think the other part too is like, here is where it came down to it. But like in Japan, it makes a little bit, easier for them to watch games uh you know the three hour difference between the east coast and now i think the difference is like noon start times here in la compared to 9 a.m start times if it was on the east coast so i think that that's going to help out internationally but yeah here 
I mean, realistically, who's watching live sports that often these days anyways? You know, you're going to catch it. He's going to be, every time he does something, it's going to be on every, you know, highlight-based sports media account. And I think that's going to be the big beneficiary. Definitely. And uh, especially with it being a big Asia population there, and especially in that part of Los Angeles, I think that's definitely help you with the Otani sign. Now, that line, this lineup, projected lineup for the Dodgers, I mean, ew, Mookie Betts, uh, Freddie Freeman, a couple of former MVPs, Max Muncy, um, you know, tell me, tell me, tell us everybody, tell everybody that, you know, how, how will Shohei fit in that lineup? I mean, because you got a lot of versatility there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you got Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts who finished two and three in the National League MVP last year. Now you have Shohei Otani, who was number one in the AL MVP. Those are your first three hitters. So, you know, that's a gauntlet to get through. I, you know, it, it's going to matter kind of behind them uh, in terms of how the offense can perform overall. You got Will Smith, who's one of the better catchers. Max Muncy, who's, you know, good for 30-plus homers every year. And then you got, you know, some unknowns a little bit at shortstop. Gavin Lux coming off ACL. And then you got James Outman, who was a solid rookie last year. And I would imagine, you know, Manuel Margot now, who they also got in that Glasnow trade, he'll fit in against left-handed pitching. You got Jason Hayward fitting in against right-handed pitching. They might go out and get one more bat. But, yeah, it, it's a deep lineup, but still top-heavy. But it's, you know, not top-heavy to the sense where, you know, you're moving over too much to one side. I think it's just it's hard to be better than MVP candidates, and that's what they have in the first three. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Mookie Betts. I know he's he's been a great uh, outfielder for the majority of his career, especially in a Dodge uniform. Now he's going to be moved over to second base uh, full time. Talk to us about the impact he can have in the infield there and who's going to round out that outfield defensively. Yeah, so for him moving to second base, you know, he's talked about, he came up as an infielder and he talked about it last year, kind of going back to the infield. You know, he was forced to go play outfield in Boston when he first came up because they had Dustin Pedroia at second base. And, you know, he always talked about kind of wanting to come back into the infield. He feels like it's easier on him as a player. You know, uh, he did a podcast this year and he kind of talked about it a few different times where that running back to the outfield back and forth, you know, 18 times a game, you know, between every inning. He's like, it does wear on you over the course of a game. And, you know, running out second base is a little bit easier. Uh, he he played there pretty much exclusively the second half of last season was, you know, average to above average defensively. And I'm sure as he gets more comfortable, he'll pick up there. And it kind of gives the room Dodgers room to find other bats that play outfield because it's a lot easier to find, you know, an outfielder that can hit than, than maybe a second baseman that can hit. And, you know, Jason Hayward will take over in right field for the most part. You got James Outman in center. And then as of right now, you got Chris Taylor in left. And then Manuel Margot will fit in probably against lefties somewhere in there. And I think they probably get one more bat, whether it's an everyday outfielder or another guy that can hit against left-handed pitching. And that kind of rounds out the outfield. But I think with Hayward being so strong defensively, it allows you to move Mookie to second base. And, you know, now you have the best second baseman in the league compared to one of the best right fielders in the league. Yeah, you yeah you kind of answered my question about Jason Hayward because, you know, of course, we know, being in the Cubs, you wasn't very productive the last couple of couple of years he was here. Now he's with the Dodgers. He's actually pretty productive last year. And now with Otani now in the lineup, that kind of you know takes the pressure off Hill. So how big of a pickup was that that Hayward signing last year? Yeah, I mean last year he signed a minor league deal initially, and and you know wasn't guaranteed to be on the on the opening day roster on the major league roster. He ended up making it. So he had already worked on his swing before that. You know, working on revamping it, kind of getting quicker to the ball. Uh, and the Dodgers, I'm sure, helped that. But he was already making those, those moves toward it, and he did great for the Dodgers. Like I said, he was good enough 
for them to feel comfortable moving Mookie to the infield and giving Hayward a majority of the bats in the outfield. Uh, he had one of his highest OPSs of his career overall, and they're putting him in a position to succeed. He's not an everyday player. He played against, you know, right-handed pitching, and he did very well. And, and like I said, he adds the element defensively to where you're not losing too much. Obviously, Mookie was a gold glove uh, right fielder, but he didn't lose too much in, the, in defensively. And offensively, he held his own weight. So if he can keep that up, you know, I, I, he's getting older and, and you know, father time's undefeated. But if you see Jason Hayward in person, he he's in shape, uh, to say the least. So I don't think time will, will slow down too much for him. And then he can be productive one more year, at least. We hand out a home search with our guy, Vincent Imperio. He's the co-host of the Locked on Dodgers podcast. He's hanging out here with us on a Friday edition of Second City Sports or Sports Zone Chicago. See Lakina hanging out here with you. Vince, let's talk about your manager, Dave Roberts. I listen to uh, both sports radio stations in Los Angeles uh, from time to time. And uh, there are some fans that we know there's no quote-unquote perfect manager, but there are some fans that just can't not stand Dave Roberts. I know uh, the Dodgers have won World Series under their belt nails in the COVID year in 2020. But uh, uh, talk to us uh, about Dave Roberts. What makes him a polarizing figure? And why does he, uh, in, from your view, get uh, some fans get, quote, unquote, annoyed by him? Because let me tell you something right now. I'm a White Sox fan. We just went through a 100 loss season. We have a new manager that uh, that should have been hired in the first place. And I, I, I just want to say to some of these Dodgers fans, I know the expectations – it's for you guys to win the World Series every year. You got the roster to do it. But I'm trying to find out for my team on the South Side of Chicago with the White Sox. You guys have first world problems. <laughs> Explain <laughs> to us about the, what some of you Dodgers fans, some of the Dodgers fans with this love-hate relationship with Dave Roberts. I Call me crazy. I just don't get it. <laughs> it's definitely coming from a place of, you know, being spoiled, uh, making the playoffs. You know, like I said, the last 11 years, 10 of those winning the division, you know, a few World Series appearances, the, the one win. And, it's one of those things where I think now he's getting punished for mistakes he's made in the past. I would say for sure in, in you know, years past 2019, you know, against the Nationals in that first round, leaving Clayton Kershaw in after bringing him in as a reliever, you know, probably not the best move. He's made other decisions here and there that weren't necessarily the moves I would have made. Um, but I do think the last couple of years, it hasn't been a matter of, of him. It's just been a matter of the team kind of breaking down, you know, guys not hitting, um, or or people that succeeded all, all year in one position, maybe a reliever, you know, not coming through when it mattered most in, in October. And I think he's been punished for that a little bit. And, you know, it's one of those things where when you make the playoffs every year, but you don't win the World Series, uh, you're, you're going to feel naturally some type of way. And I think that's what Roberts gets. But I think what the people don't necessarily understand that I get mad at Roberts is, the Dodgers probably don't get to a lot of those places if he isn't the manager he is throughout the year. You know, we've seen big money teams with egos not necessarily work out. You know, the Padres last year, who knows if that was the case, you know, maybe not having the best manager there or whatever it was. But we've seen it happen. Dave Roberts manages people. You never hear people complaining, you know, Dodger players complaining about playing time, even though some of them could probably be starters otherwise, but they might platoon here. Never hear starters complain too much about coming out of games maybe a little bit earlier than they want. I think he's very a manager of people. His in-game decisions have you know left some to be desired. But I do think the last two years it hasn't necessarily been his fault. It's kind of been the team not coming through when needed. You, 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 you see with all these sign with these signings, of course, or with the Otani signing, of course, the, the glass now signing. Do you feel like maybe the Dodgers are kind of on a mission to prove that 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 
you know, that that World Series they won a couple years ago in the COVID, during the COVID year was not a fluke. And I think that's probably, I, I'm seeing that's probably why they're doing all these signings and being aggressive and, you know, with all these, you know, these big, you know, signings. I think it, it's definitely in, you know, in the back of their mind, you know, I, I believe that they all, you know, feel like the 2020 World Series was legitimate. That was the first year where, you know, you had to win 13 games instead of 11. So there was different elements to it. But, you know, the last two years have really left a sour taste of not losing two division rivals in the first round after winning, you know, 100-plus games in the regular season. And I think right now what the main thing is, you have Mookie Betts signed for about eight more years. You have Freddie Freeman for four more years. You know, those guys are only going to get older. So you basically have, you know, a three- to four-year window where those guys are still going to be MVP candidates. So you might as well go all in on it now. And now you got Otani added to the mix. He defers that money. Now you can bring in other people. I think it's definitely a part of that in terms of putting yourself in the best position to be able to win. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where we've seen in baseball, it's not always going to work out. There's been a lot of different winners in the last 20 years. You know, only the Giants are the only team that really kind of won multiple multiple uh, championships in, in a few years span. So it, it, you got to kind of build out what you believe is going to help you win. And that's what they're doing. But I definitely think it's all part of, you know, Tony talked about it yesterday in his press conference, how, when he talked to the Dodgers and they said, you know, we've been in the playoffs last 10 years, all this accolades and everything else, but we consider it a failure because it's only led to one championship. And he said that's kind of what prompted him to, to like the Dodgers is that they considered that a failure, even though they're still a well-run organization. Okay. Last question for me, Vince, and uh, I'm listening to the, the flagship radio flagship station of the Dodgers. This particular radio host said, and I'm paraphrasing here a bit, but with the Otani signing that this team will become quote unquote hated and more out of not like, not like the Houston Astros. And that's a whole nother level. As you will know from the 2017 world series, yeah. we don't have to bring up any bad memories there, <laughs> but um, uh, many, uh, uh, many fans will be, uh, will become jealous of the Dodgers because their team didn't sign Otani. We are, we know already that the Dodgers are one of the biggest draws on the road. How much pressure uh, will, will will that be uh, with the Dodgers now with Otani being signed there as far as them uh, traveling playing on the road? Yeah, I mean, it, it's always been a, a World Series or bus kind of mentality in L.A. the last, you know, ever since Andrew Friedman came in. But now, you know, you're taking that to a different extent with, you know, the 700 mils obviously jarring right away. And then with the fact that the deferrals and it, you know, kind of helps them with luxury tax, you know, the, the fake salary cap in MLB. And all that, I, I, you know, they're definitely going to get the, the they're going to kind of become what the Yankees were in the late 90s, early 2000s, where you didn't like them, not for a particular reason, other than they were really good. They spent a lot of money and they kept winning. And, you know, that's that's kind of part of it. There, I don't think, you know, people might have individual vendettas against players, but it's one of those where, like, I don't think there's any player you were not going to like for a certain reason. Like, you know, it's hard to not like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, even Otani, like they don't do anything to make you not like them. But the fact that they're all on one team, the fact that maybe your team, you know, doesn't spend money or didn't get Otani or whatever the case is, they're definitely going to have that pressure and you know the target on their back. And it's going to be different than what it's been before. The Dodgers have, you know, always been a bigger team, good draw on the road. But now it's one of those where they're taking that step into know what the Yankees were the evil empire now it's kind of like the Dodgers are, have that target all right Vincent thank you so much for uh, for joining us this was a lot of fun uh where people can find you and all your uh, all your uh, great content on lockdown Dodgers appreciate it yeah uh I'm Vince Amperio at Vince Amperio on Twitter and then at locked on Dodgers on Twitter and Instagram and you can find us on uh, wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube every Monday through Friday
All right, Vince, thank you very much for joining us uh, today and taking time on your busy schedule to join us. Great job uh, uh, co-hosting that Locked on Dodgers podcast. Uh, much continued success. Let's do this again um, when the baseball season starts because the Dodgers want to will be one of the most talked about teams around MLB, and we want to follow you and your team uh, along those steps. Definitely appreciate it, and uh, I'm always around for you guys. All right, thank you. All right, thank you for joining us. Happy holidays. Have a great one. You too. <laughs> All right. All right. That was Miss Imperio from Lockdown Dodgers. We got our girl Christy Mack of KXRB on deck. So, of course, you can check out Vince's stuff on, like I said, wherever you get your podcast on the Lockdown uh, family of uh, you know various shows. So, yeah, it's all right there for you. We got our girl Christy Mack of KXRB on deck coming up next. We'll do our week 15 picks and uh, the Chargers say bye bye to uh, Brandon Staley. And uh, ooh, after that, we would have too. And a whole lot more. We'll talk more about that with Christine coming up next. Second season, Sports on Sports on Chicago. Our girl, uh, girl, K-3, Christine Mack coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things, none of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration.
Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. Welcome back to Second City Sports on the Hashtag Football Friday edition. We're live in the 11 color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid, that's Lakino. You can follow your Shuli on the Twitter, X, and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow my Keena McGee on the Twitter, X, at Kisco again, the IG. This is our last break of the show for today and for the week. So if you have any last-minute questions or comments for us, you can always hit us up at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago YouTube. Type in those questions or comments to the comments section. Lakina will get the up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can catch Sports Zone Chicago now available on Roku TV. All right, Sid, we got our girl here waiting in the wings. We want to, don't want to waste any more time. Of course, she's our girl, your girl for KSRB, Miss Christine Medica. What's up, Christine? Yay. Hi, guys. How are you? We're doing good. We're doing much better than uh, Brandon Staley. Uh, we will talk about that uh, real quick before we do our picks, uh, of course. Uh, he got the boot, as our, our late friend, the Lamont Scott, would say. He uh, is on his way to getting his pink slip and his link card. Well, after giving up 63 points last night, I think you, yeah, yeah, you'd be gone too. So uh, a pretty strong statement from uh, Dean Spanos. And uh, I kind of feel like he's part of the problem too, just saying. But uh, they're, they're, they're cleaning the house over there. Um, uh, Gibbs Smith is the interim head coach, and also too, JoJo Wooden is the interim GM. So uh, your thoughts, guys? Honestly, I feel I don't think last night was entirely Coach Brandon's fault just because you got Justin Ber- Herbert who's out for the rest of the season with a with a broken hand for the most part and you have your offensive line with a bunch of injuries as well. So I I really don't think the loss was all of his doing. You have a lot of injuries, um but it but it is a long time coming. We all knew that it was going to happen at some point, whether it was during the Bears game for Sunday Night Football or that Monday Night game. It, it, it was going to happen, but I don't think I, – I know I didn't expect it to happen after last night's game, but it was going to happen, in my mind, at least by the end of the season. I'm with Christine on this one. Uh, last night was not Brandon Staley's fault, but the uh, the the underachievement and the injuries and, and the other things that happened, which led up to what happened last night, was his fault. Of course, he's going to be on talking about Staley. He's going to be remembered for blowing the second biggest lead in playoff history, losing to the Jaguars uh, in Jacksonville in the playoffs last year. Uh, high ironic, Lakina, two years ago in Las Vegas, the last game of the regular season. They could have ended that game in a tie. Both them and Oakland, uh, sorry, I said Oakland. Both them and the Las Vegas Raiders would have made the playoffs. Pittsburgh would have been out. But no, you decided to do something stupid, and you cost yourself a, cost yourself a playoff berth. Last night, you gave up 63 points in the same place that you did your gap uh, two years ago in the regular season finale. You get your butt fired. But, well, we'll see what they do in this offseason. They have a lot of work to do. They gave Justin Herbert mm-hmm. that money uh, before yep. the start of the season. Uh, there's some – possible salary cap issues there. So uh, that mm-hmm. you got to find a new management and you got to find a way to retool that roster because uh, some of those veterans, especially on the defensive side, they're getting older now. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Bill Belichick, 
No, go ahead, Christy. I'm sorry. I, I said, uh, Bill Belichick? That's a rumor going around. Yeah, so yeah, I saw that rumor. Perhaps maybe they trade Herbert to, to New England. I, I mean, no, 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 not even that. It's Belichick going to the Chargers. Oh, to the Chargers. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice weather. <laughs> look, hey, look, that might be something to look out for. <laughs> that might be something to look out right. for me. But like, but like you guys said, they have that all that dead money. So a lot of those guys could be gone unless they do a lot of restructuring. So, uh, uh, who knows? Maybe there might be something to look look into. So uh, who knows? Now let's go to our uh, week fifteen picks here. We all we all did. Uh, we all had seven. Everybody Christy, you, lost. Yeah, we yeah we, right. we, 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 we very, yeah we were not very good this uh, this week. But uh, Christine, if you had, if you had gone to the Bills with me, you could have gained the game on Sid. So you know, hey, I look look <laughs> look, we're all yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, no change. Real changes in, in, in you know, among overall the the scoring. But uh, hopefully, we can do better uh, this week. Of course, no more buys. Also, too, we got two sat. They're not two, but three Saturday games. Uh, deal tomorrow. So uh, adjust your fantasy teams accordingly here. You're real quick for your playoff chase. Let's start here. These these all these games will be on the NFL Network. Uh, by the way. Start this noon slate. You got the Vikings and the Bengals. Sid, you start this one for us. I'm jumping on that Cincinnati bandwagon. Minnesota, after that ugly 3-0 win at, Ve at Vegas last week, uh, they made the change at quarterback. We saw in Mullins. Who the hell is that guy? Anywho, Cincinnati, they impressed me last week. Um, they do need Joe Burrow. Obviously, he's not coming back this year, but they run the ball better with Joe Mixon and rookie running back Chase Brown from the University of Illinois. He's very impressive. We talked about him last week, Lakina. And the Vikings, uh, you're talking about a train that's coming off his rails. It's the Minnesota Vikings. So I'll go in Cincinnati here. Cincinnati is favored by three at home. I'm going to go with Cincinnati, too. And just for the games in general this week, the line for all these games are ridiculously close. I, I mean, picking these games in general for this whole week is just insane. It can go either way. I could see the Vikings getting heated and winning this game against the Bengals just because they are a little beat up. But I think the Vikings, they are a little bit more beat up at the more moment going on their fourth quarterback. I honestly feel bad for Josh Dobbs because he did not have a bad first half of the game last week and they just decided to pull him for whatever reason because he wasn't performing to what they expected him to perform after his first couple of showings um and then you have justin jefferson who made his big comeback last week and all of a sudden he had a very scary chest injury and he was even questionable to go back into the game and even come in for this game um, then you have Brownie for the Bengals, their backup quarterback. He got injured at one point, and mm -hmm. then he related it to dehydration, saying, eh, maybe I just got to drink more water or something like that. I don't know. But honestly, mm -hmm. I could see this game going either way, but I am picking the Bengals for this one. I think more so just because it is a home field advantage, and those Bengal fan fans do get a little bit wild at times. Um, and also, I think Browning, he's a pretty gosh darn good quarterback. And I i like what I saw, what I see out of him so far. And I know the Minnesota fans, they are not happy out here. And let me tell you, I'm full of Vikings fans. And it is, they aren't happy. <laughs> no, they're not. 
No, they're not. And I think the Bengals, I think, you know, you know I think the Bengals will probably you know, win this game. But I think it'll be a little bit closer, like you said, said uh, Christine. I mean, the line, you know, the lines these games are just Man. virtual awesome. So, uh I could, but then again, I could see Minnesota pull off the upset, which we consider the upset. Could, you know, Nick Mullins, you know, especially with Justin Jefferson being back, that could definitely help that offense in that cause. So we'll see what happens there. Now, uh, the second game with that third uh, of the, uh, the the triple header on the NFL Network tomorrow, Saturday, you got the Steelers and the Colts. Could be an elimination game in the playoff uh, picture. Christine, you start this one. I think the Colts have been getting very lucky uh, within the last couple of games that they've had. Um, and the Steelers, they are pretty much down there in their luck. This could be a good game for them to, to get back and to get right. Um, so I'm going to go with the Steelers here for this one. I'm going with the Colts here. They had an ugly loss at Cincinnati last week. Of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost at home uh, to the Patriots last week. And Mitch yeah. Trubisky, I wish that young man success, but – He's behind the eight ball, and I think the snowball downward is going to continue for Mike Tomlin and Crusoe. I'm going with the Colts. They're, the Colts are at a point and a half favorite at home, so this basically had to pick them. Yeah, definitely a toss-up game. Yeah, I, I told the, you these games are ridiculously impossible this week. Right. I mean, look, I think I'm picking the Colts on this one. I, I think just because I think they're at home, and I think they want to kind of uh, do a bounce back from that. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. That's from that game. They, they against the Bengals. They kind of left a lot of points on the board. So uh, yeah, I think they'll definitely have a bounce back. Night game of the Saturday of uh, the triple header here. So you start this one. We got the Broncos and the Lions, both coming uh, hoping to bounce back from various uh, tough losses. Well, the well the Broncos beat the Chargers last well, the Char- week. Well, Char- looked- well, yeah, the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> so they look good there. Well, of course, the Lions got embarrassed by their own will doing against the Bears in Chicago last week on the lakefront. But the Lions are mad. And they're at home, so I think they're going to get refocused. The, uh, the NFC North division titles within their grasp. They're going to grab it. They're going to play much better. Denver's going to get a, give them a battle, but I got Lions come, uh, coming out of here with at least a seven-point victory. The Lions are favored by four and a half. I'm going with the Broncos for this one. I Oh, uh, that's because of your soon-to-be husband. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think okay. the Lions are kind of facing a little bit of a – downturn at the moment and if the team want to strike while the iron is hot this is the time to do it and russell wilson just became a dad again this week so he's feeling pretty good about himself and i think he wants to get a a first win for his new daughter in in the world so i'm gonna go with the broncos you never want to face Lions when they're mad. So I think the Lions, this Lions squad is going to be very mad. Although I, I'm, the game will probably, will definitely be close, but I think the Lions will pull away late because, uh, yeah, they're definitely, they definitely want to put some distance between themselves and the Vikings and the Packers and, the, and probably to the Bears too in the NFC North. Now to the Sunday games, if you will, you got the Falcons and the Panthers. I'll start this one. I'll get a short and sweet. I'll say the Falcons. I know they, they're trying to bounce back from that tough loss to the Bucks. The Panthers, I don't know what the hell is going on down there in Charlotte. I don't think anybody does. So, uh, yeah, short as we have picking the, the Falcons. <laughs> this was one of the easier ones to pick this week, Falcons. Atlanta for me. Atlanta's favored by three on the road. <laughs> Oof, only three, good boy. Wow. <laughs> Vegas no son. I guess that uh, we don't. Uh, speaking of the Bucks, should be a good one here. The Battle of the Bays. You got Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Uh, say you start this one. Too bad this game will not be airing here in Chicago because know, CBS has that regional yeah. uh, coverage. But mm-hmm. it'll be airing live via this computer screen. I'll tell you that at the end of our mm-hmm. red zone. But with that being said, 
Christine's former uh, fantasy quarterback, uh, uh, QB um, Baker Mayfield. Uh, he has a tough task of having him ahead of him going to Lambeau Field, where the Packers actually have done pretty well at home this year. I know yeah. the Packers lost a tough one at New York last week, thanks to Tommy DeVito, former Illini quarterback. On the <laughs> Christine's on shaking her face right now. But uh, I think the Packers will get back on track. The Buccaneers defense uh, has faltered the, the last few weeks. I think Jordan Love uh, gets a bounce back game. I think the Packers will win. Even I'm cheering hard as hell for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think the Packers are a better team. They're going to win. And the Packers are favored by three and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Packers for this one, too. They just they look a whole lot better than what they did to start off the season, including Jordan Love. I think I think a Watson. He looks even way better than what he did last year, too. Just a little bit more physical and just quicker on the field, in my opinion. Uh, the Bucks, they were hot, and now they're just kind of, I think they're teeter-tottering at this point. Um, but who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if they won either. Uh, Baker's kind of in a good mood, too, because now he's going to be a new dad. That was announced last week, I saw. So, yeah, I'm... Because it's a home game for the Packers, I'm going with them. Yeah, it's same thing. The reason I'm picking the Packers too. I, I think they they want to get that bad taste losing the Giants on Monday night out of their mouth, and they're actually a much better uh, team at home than they are on the road. So yeah, I think this will definitely you know, the you know, Lambeau home cooking is just what they need uh, there. Uh, the Jets and the Dolphins. Christine, you start this one for us. I don't know how the heck you can lose a game in three minutes, but the Dolphins did it. <laughs> the Dolphins somehow <laughs> did it. And I I think everyone was just as shocked as we were that Zach Wilson was one of the people that got the player of the week, too. Anything could happen. Last week was just another one of those weeks. Um, But I think this is a good game that the Dolphins can say, all right, we don't know what the heck happened either. Let's get this right. Let's get back to what we're, what we're normally seeing on the field. Uh, it was a little bit scary when uh, Tyreek Hill went down with an ankle injury, but a couple mm -hmm. of core zone shots later, he's back out on the field. <laughs> Tough it out and keep running. And I think that's what they're going to do with the Jets. They're just going to fly over their heads uh, with this game, I think. Uh, my, I have Miami for this one. I know Tyreek Hill is questionable with an ankle injury. Hopefully he rests up so he can be at, at his best. But uh, Raheem Mostert and Devin A. Chain, as I call him on this show, uh, there will be the, they're the running backs for the Dolphins. They'll be the key factors on offense here. The Jets have a good defense, but I don't think Zach Wilson can repeat what he did last week against the Houston Texans. So um, I'm going with Miami here. The Dolphins are favored by nine and a half points at home. Short and sweet. I'm picking the Dolphins. I think they're not going to be in a very good mood after losing that one against the Titans. We said last week if the Dolphins played down to that competition, this would happen. As Christine said, look what happened. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to learn the lesson, and I think they're going to have a bounce back when it gets to Jets this week. Now, speaking of the other team that uh, pulled off the big upset, well, that was a minor upset, I guess, on, on Monday night. You got the Giants and the Saints. Uh, I'll start this one. I know the Tommy DeVito mania has swept all of New York, uh, well, upper, you know, upstate New York and also down to, to Manhattan, all the way to Jersey. The Saints, I mean, you don't know what Saints you're going to get. So this could be another one, like Christy said, this is another one of those pickums. I think because they're you know they're at home, I'll pick the Saints. That's the only reason why I'm picking them. I don't know why, but uh, that's the only reason why I'm picking them because they're at home. 
That's what I kind of went with too, Lagina. I put questionable with mine and a question mark next to the Saints just because they are at home and you don't know what you're going to get out of them. Uh, but I am loving this whole Tommy DeVito thing. I feel bad for him once Daniel Jones comes back. He's kind of in the back of the line <laughs> to kind of see his story play out. <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping it short and sweet, New Orleans, even though they barely beat a bad Carolina team last week. Uh, if they don't get the Giants here, they don't deserve to go to the playoffs. Uh, yeah. The Saints are favored by five and a half at home. I'm sure Cam Jordan's going to want to take a little uh, a stab at Mr. DeVito. I'm, I'm just saying. I think he's going yeah. to <laughs> yeah. he's gonna be gunning for him, I'm sure. So, yeah, that, that might be – you might be running, Tommy. I'm just saying. Uh, shout out to our buddy Spiro Diaz from CBS Sports. He'll be calling this game, which suddenly seems to be a very intriguing one here in the AFC South. You got the Texans and the Titans. Say, you start this one for us. Texans and Titans. I don't see it. Oh, I see it on my schedule here. Tennessee's favorite by four. I know C.J. Stroud is questionable as of this live broadcast with the concussion. My assumption is he'll probably be out of concussion protocol by the time kickoff uh, approaches uh, on Sunday. But I just got this crazy feeling again that the Titans uh, somehow they're going to do it again. They're going to pull another one out of their hat. In, in years, in recent years past, you expect them to get on a the roll. They turn around and, and drop, uh, fumble the bag and drop one down their leg. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stepping out. I'm going with the Titans here, and they are favored by four. Yeah, I did. I did not know that Shrug was uh, in concussion protocol because mm -hmm. I was going to say after last week against the the Jets, he probably wants a little bit of revenge because that was in my opinion, uncharacteristic for them to be so down and out like that uh, right. when he's been having such an explosive rookie season and, and so impressive too. Um, so that just changed my pick. I'm going with the Titans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Davis Mills, I mean, look, he's had some, he's had some good games, but again, I, you know, it, it, this is another one of those toss up games, you know, and I, I think, I'll pick the Titans too. I mean, like I said, I think they're riding that wave. Of course, you know the the sad, uh, tragic death of uh, Frank White. I think man has something to do with it. They, they 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 I think they play a little bit inspired. I think I remember um, uh, Will Davis said after the game. Um, I think one of uh, uh, Frank White's stars. They talked to the team after the game. You know, you know this is you know win this for her for their dad and, and such. So I think that probably paid, fed off that. And uh, I think they're gonna wide the wave. I think the Texans have been struggling lately. I mean, Tank Dell, that that injury is gonna come back to bite them in the butt. So yeah, I think the Titans might win this one, and uh, it'll be a close one. All right, uh, Chiefs and Patriots. Uh, Patriots got a big win uh, last week, and uh, the the you know they had they've had ten days off. And the Chiefs are kind of gonna mm, you know start sticking out a little bit. They can't, you know. I mean, the Patriots, you know, the Chiefs can't lose to the Patriots, can they? Can they? So uh, I'll pick the Chiefs, but I say that with in protest because uh, I I just don't know what's going to happen, especially since Isaiah Pacheco is now out too. So uh, that could be uh, something to look out for as well. I yeah, I'm gonna hesitantly pick the Chiefs because 
crazier things have happened with them this year, and I would not be surprised if somehow the Patriots beat the Chiefs. <laughs> There'll be a great send-away present for Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick right. to come on this show if he gets released at the end of the year. But remember, this game was originally supposed to be on Sunday Night Football, but they got the boot out, and so it's a mm-hmm. noon game on CBS. So yep. uh, keeping it short and sweet, mm-hmm. uh, Kansas City. And Kansas City's favored by eight and a half. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, right, eight first, now is eight. Eight now. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The line moves. But okay. Don't be surprised if the line goes down a little bit less on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to lose. They're going to uh, lose. But I don't think the Patriots are. I just don't see that happening. But you never know. Uh, first of the three o'clock games, you got the 49ers and the Cardinals in the NFC West. Um, I, I'll say it short and sweet. I mean, look, they're in the driver's seat now. That's how the 49ers are for not only the division, but also for the number one seed in the NFC. They've already clinched the playoff spot. They're the first team to have done so. Uh, yeah, short and sweet, the 49ers. They, they shouldn't have no trouble with the with the Cardinals. I'm I'm yeah, the 49ers. I've said this all season and even into towards the end of last season, they are just the dream team of football. They are just dominating not just the NFC, but the whole league in general. I can't besides. Dallas, I can't think of another team that they could, that they, yeah, that they can't dominate really. So they're, they're really, they're rock stars. So I'm going to stick with the 49ers. Short and sweet San Francisco. I need Debo Samuel to bring home the fantasy football championship in my league. So he's been putting up great numbers the last few weeks. I need him to do it one more time, but that's besides the point. But San Francisco is to play here and they are favored by 12 points on the road. Yeah, and I believe I believe you know since CBS has original cover, I think this is going to be the like the one the, one of these games is going to be on uh, CBS here in Chicago. The game is going to be on here in Chicago. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I figured that. So uh, yeah, so uh, might be a, a quick one there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the others, the other uh, CBS regional game at three oh five. You got the Commanders and the Rams. Say so you start this one for us. Uh, the Washington Commanders are. You can play the uh, the tap song uh, because they're going down and going down slowly. The Rams. On the flip side, they lost uh, in overtime and walk-off special teams TD fashion uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. But they're back home. They should be able to dominate both offensively and defensively. Matthew Stafford, I think, is going to have a good game. So I'm going with the Rams here at So Five, and they are favorite. I'm talking about the Rams by six and a half. Okay. I'm going with the Rams, too. They've just been winning a lot more lately than what the Commanders have. So I have a little bit more confidence in what they're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, one of the you know the games will be all right. This is only this is the only Fox uh, game at three twenty five, but uh, all of this it's a double header game. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll we'll remember all the this will be the the whole nation will have this game like you said it is a double header, but yeah, all the nation will have this game on uh, on Fox. You got the Cowboys and the Bills. The Bills coming off that you know, great win against the Chiefs. The Cowboys they've been they've dominated their last couple of games. Uh, Christine, you start this one for us. It's got to be the Cowboys here. I mean, we we all know how the Bills season has been going. They've had some really great and surprising wins, but then when they lose, it's been really bad. A lot of turnovers. Uh, Stephon Diggs hasn't really even been playing that great this season. He's had some injuries. And then you have Josh Allen, who turns over the ball a lot. <laughs> so that's not changing anytime soon. You got Dak Prescott, who's looking... Probably the best that he's ever looked in a long time. 
CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons on the defense, even when he was battling the flu or whatever it was last week, he was still killing it defensively. So I, I expect nothing less. I think the Cowboys are going to take this win. It will be a good game for sure, but they should take the win here. I'm going with Buffalo here. They got a big win in Kansas City last week. Josh Allen is starting to play well. You mentioned Stephon Diggs, uh, Christine. He didn't have a great game last week, but they're at home. The Dallas Cowboys are going into that toughest part of the schedule with back-to-back road games this week at Buffalo, next week at Miami. I think Buffalo's on a roll right now. James Cook, that running back, starting to get a little bit more touches. Like I said, Lakina, Josh Allen should not be your leader in rushing yards. That looks like head coach Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills started to get it through his thick skull. So keep feeding James Cook that ball and keep Josh Allen upright. And it's it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a good game. I'm going to expect the Buffalo to win. And they are favored. The line has jumped up almost a full point for the last 24 hours of, as of this live broadcast. The Bills are now favored by two and a half points at home. Yeah, I think Vegas knows something that we don't. Yeah, I pick, the, I pick Buffalo too. I mean – They've been on a roll lately, like you mentioned, Sid, and I, and I kind of feel like they're – I know Micah Hyde's going to be out, it looks like, so that might be a little bit of a deterrent on that secondary. But I think, look, their front seven's been playing very well. Josh Allen, as long as he doesn't throw any interceptions, he's in good shape. And uh, James Cook, I mean, he might be able to – the one thing that the, that, that the Cowboys aren't very good at is that run defense. And if they let, if they let Cook run the ball, I'm talking about the Bills, Leave Dak and them off the field. They might be able to, you know, pull off another big upset here. So it should be a good one uh, on Fox. It's the only game they got. So, yeah, it better be a good one. Uh, Sunday night, you got the Ravens and the Jags. I mean, the Ravens in the in the driver's seat in the AFC for the number one seed. Jags have lost a couple in a row. Sid, you start this one. I want to pick Jacksonville here. I really do because they're at home. But Baltimore is too good. Of course, Jacksonville had a chance to – Stay up there with Baltimore in that in that race for the number one seed, but uh, they got behind early against Cleveland, trying to come back, but they fell short. Trevor Lawrence didn't look that great. I know he had a couple touchdown passes, but he threw three picks, which was not good, which set that team back. But I want to see them run the ball way more with Travis Etienne, and they haven't done that in these last few weeks. On the flip side for Baltimore, Lamar Jackson is in an MVP conversation, in my opinion, along with the Dak Prescott and Tyreek Hill. And I know they lost their tight end, Mike Andrews, but Blake Lively, I think, is going to be a big factor here, which the, the, the he's the new tight end that's stepping in Andrews' place. So I think it's going to be a tough physical game, but I think Baltimore's going to come out here with a close victory. And Baltimore is favored by three and a half points on the road. I'm stepping out and I'm picking Jacksonville. I think this could be a game where they could come back with, with a victory after some tough losses. Um, the Ravens, you know, when you when you catch them at a at a tough moment, they do crumble under pressure. We've seen that a, a plenty of times this year with them. That when they've been really good and they've been climbing at the top, and then they've had injury setbacks and just bad interceptions and just um, turnovers in general. And turnovers they do make the game in the end. We we've seen that time and time again. And I think because they're at home and I I think they could actually pull it off at the right time, I, Jacksonville. I could probably see that happening. I could, I could probably see Jacksonville probably pull it off the, well, mild upset, I guess. But it'll be a good game. It's not going to be a blowout. But I think, you know, Baltimore, 
they know they've they've got a shot to perhaps you know put a, put you know, a little bit of distance between themselves and uh and Jacksonville and Kansas City. So yeah, I think the 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 Ravens will win this game. You know they've been you know they've been playing very well. They know the defense knows they got to play a little bit better. They they may try to get you know uh uh not hundred percent Trevor Lawrence in the knee. So yeah, I, I really think he'll probably yeah that that will probably be the thing here. And I think you know the Ravens will get him for that. Um, Monday night, this will be on uh, ABC, ESPN, Manning Cast. So there will be a Manning Cast this week. You got the Eagles and the Seahawks, two NFC uh, rivals, uh, shelling out. Um, Seahawks coming off that tough loss to the 49ers. The Eagles, you know, they've had a couple of uh, tough losses in a row. Uh, you know, Geno Smith, you know, is 100%. A lot, I think a lot of that, a lot of that, a lot of that, uh, that, 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 that their core is 100% either. So, yeah, I'm picking the Eagles. I think the Eagles, this could be a nice, you know, bounce back game for them. I think so too. I'm picking the Eagles for this one. The Seahawks. They haven't looked their best this year. Geno Smith, again, he had a great season last year, and and now he's kind of just coasting, flying. It's the battle of the birds. He's flying a little bit too too close <laughs> downward, and uh, this could be a great game for the Eagles to get back on track. I'm going with the Colin Cowherd rule here. Uh, if you played on national television the week before and got embarrassed, uh, you should bounce back the next week. I'm I, want, I was tempted to pick Seattle, but I think Philadelphia, they're tired of the losing and they don't want to uh, see their seating go down as far as the NC playoffs are concerned, go down even further. So I'm picking Philadelphia to have a bounce back game. I think it's going to be much closer than what people think. Philadelphia's favorite by three on the road. Yeah, it might, may come down to the last like, field goal as well, probably from Jake Elliott. Um, all right, last but not least, you got the Bears and the Browns on Fox. Uh, DJ Moore was a participant. Uh, it, and and it's questionable uh, with a knee with a I mean ankle injury that he suffered last week against Detroit. Jaquan Brisker he tweaked his groin in practice earlier this week. He's he was limited today, so he is questionable. Um, I think like I said, not having Unique Ngakwe, I don't think people are talking about that as much as they should. I mean, he and Montez would have been a very solid little tandem there on that outside, uh, on the on you know, the outside of that of that uh, D line. So uh, that might be a a factor there. Um, you know, like I said, they look, this is going to be probably going to be the toughest offense they're going to be facing the rest of the season. Talk about the Bears defense. You're going to be facing Joe Flacco, who, look, this isn't the first rodeo. I know he hasn't played in a couple years, but this isn't the first rodeo. He knows what to do. He's seen mm -hmm. every uh, defense known to man. You're facing Jim Schwartz defense as well. It's going to be close. Okay, I'll say this. I've been saying this the last few weeks. I think the Browns will win, but the Bears will cover. Oh, I'm leaving it there. <laughs> I'm calling this game the battle of the defenses just because from the start of the season to where the Bears are right now, that addition of Montez Sweat has really changed the whole culture of that defensive line. It, it just looks, it, it's crazy the difference just a couple of months can make with just an addition of one guy. And I think the defense looks great. Joe Flacco, I, I said this when Minnesota was looking for a new quarterback after Kirk Cousins uh, with his uh, Achilles went down. I said that Joe Flacco probably should have been the guy for the Vikings to pick up. And now seeing his start with the Browns last week, I stand by that. And like what you said, Lakina, this is not his first rodeo. He had a lot of success with Baltimore, with the Ravens. And... I think he could actually bring this team 
at least a little bit of hope and maybe even in the hunt for for a wild card spot but this is going to be very close um i was kind of laughing at myself last week and i said you know the bears can't even tank properly like they're not supposed to win because then we have the opportunity to get in the playoffs and that just me messes up the draft and i'm off my soapbox now but yeah that that was my whole thought process of it but i am picking the browns it's a home field advantage for them the defense it's going to be a battle and it's going to be it's going to be a close one as we said at the top of the show like i think justin fields from his very first start in cleveland two years ago where now ex-head coach man Nagy set him up to fail uh, it's going to be very different this time but as, as you said christine is going to come down to the defenses and it's going to come down to who runs the ball the best if the Bears defense gets two or more turnovers, I think they'll win. But the Bears got to prove it to me uh, that they can beat a, a tough team on the road. And for this Bears offensive line, this is going to be their toughest test so far this year. I wanted to go with the Bears. They do have a chance in this one. But I'm yep. stepping out and going on logic. I'm going with Cleveland here. Cleveland's favored by three points at home. All right. And who's calling the game for Fox? Kevin Kugler, Mark Sanchez, and Chicago's very own Laura Oakman. Gonna be a lot of energy from from Sanchez, so uh, yeah, expect a yeah. lot. <laughs> a lot of energy from him, yeah. So you know he's gonna be praising Justin Fields a lot, and uh, but yeah, and that's your schedule for uh, NFL Week 15. Oh my God, the season's almost over already, folks. So, I, I know. know. I know. Does it cease too quick? Too quick. I just second season sports on Sports Central Chicago, like Kim McGee, Cindy Brown, our girl KSRB's Christine Medica with us uh, for these last uh, few minutes. Uh, if you saw, if you guys saw uh, this video, I guess that came out with uh, that Tom Brady posted a few days ago. Um, remember, <laughs> for people who don't remember, he was originally uh, drafted by the by the Expos in, in his senior year of high school. And of course, you know, you went to Michigan and, you know, the rest is history, blah, blah, blah. They actually did a video of his, with his rookie card now uh, available, his uh, rookie card from Montreal. And the cool thing about it is that, they, you know, they got, he got Larry Walker, Pedro Martinez, and Vlad Aguero Sr. on there. That was actually really cool. I all Hall of Famers. Yeah. Yeah. And, Yep, and all, and I don't know if that could have prevented this. Could have prevented. I think they would have been a much better team. I think they probably could have won maybe a couple of, uh, maybe a couple of pennants. Maybe I don't know about seven, but uh, a nice, a nice little jab that, that Eli Manning did, you know, with the Giants <laughs> pennant chases. But uh, but that was a really funny commercial. So if you guys haven't seen, make sure you guys check that out. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Just go on a, a TV social media page. But it was, it was actually pretty funny. That actually yeah, it's that on up. his Instagram page. It's great. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> All right, real quick, Christine. I know we're up against it, but what were your thoughts about Shohei Tani signing with the LA Dodgers? And is your soon-to-be husband okay? Um, you, how much did you have to console him? <laughs> he's, I mean, obviously he's upset. And I'm honestly surprised in the beginning of this whole process, his agent went out and said, you know, if anyone comes out to the media and talks about the conversations, then they're automatically out of the running. And what did he do? He went with a team that blabbed their mouth to yep. the entire world about <laughs> conversations. So that's kind of the irony of it. Um, big contract. And the way that they're kind of DVing it out, it's actually kind of smart. One, 
if I uh, did a survey of the most bankrupt athletes and, and the ones that lost the most money after their careers, I would say baseball players would be at the top of that list when it comes to, to that category. Yeah. NBA so this, players too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, this keeps him responsible with that amount of money. Uh, this keeps, uh, the taxes in check yep. for sure when it comes to California or if he decides to move somewhere else outside of California, um, it gives his agent probably a nice little payday out of that as well. And even though he's only getting $2 million a year, he'll be getting a ton of endorsements out of, oh, yeah. out of it too, like throughout the year. So it's not like, oh my God, he's only getting $2 million. No, he's going to be getting a lot of money outside of the contract from the Dodgers. So it's a pretty, that's, that's a big deal. And I think we were talking about this too this week. Uh, I think after this contract, uh, there could be a salary cap for baseball because that's a lot of money. I mean, that that's a lot. That's a lot of money. <laughs> well, and also to the Dodgers could still spend. Remember, they, they get that money from uh, their TV deal at the Dodgers have, and also their streaming streaming rights as well. So uh, that's yeah. the reason why they were able to spend and they were able to divvy to divvy up the money the way that they did be with this contract. So uh, I don't know if they'll they'll they would they'll put a, cap, a soft a hard cap at some point like some of the other sports, but. This might be one of those things where you're kind of like, man, you know what, hey, you know what, they got the money, so sure, why not? <laughs> Yeah. Right, Chris, yeah, Christine, 30 seconds or less. Uh, the Bulls lost two tough games earlier this week. They beat the Miami Heat last night. What do you think about their play without Zach Levine, who's going to be out a few more weeks with that foot injury? Trade him. <laughs> I mean, he's literally <laughs> not doing anything for the team. He's been on the court for two games, injured for the next six weeks. You're yeah. wasting your money at this point. If you're talking about the trade deadline and and what to do going forward with, forward with the team. If you want to find out which player is expendable at this point, it's him. And I hate to say it like that, but it is. Mm, all right. On that note, on you that follow note. McGee. <laughs> yeah, on that note, you follow McKenna McGee on the Twitter, X, and Kina Scargi on the IG. You can follow your Shirley Sydney Brown on the Twitter, X, and the IG at CKID. Once again, at CKID, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. Christine, where can the lovely people follow you on social media? They can follow me at cmanica underscore KXRB. And you can give folks the bird, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you can Second City Sports every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports on Chicago. One more again, as young people would say, you can Second City Sports every Monday and every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports on Chicago's Facebook and YouTube channels. And we'd like to thank Mr. Vincent Samperio from Locked on Dodgers podcast. He hopped on with us to talk about the Otani signing and what's going on with the L.A. Dodgers ball club. And, of course, our queen, Miss Christine Manifold from KXRB in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, for, with, with her weekly NFL picks. Of course, you can follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Please download that Sports on Chicago app. And please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast at War Media Podcast. That's W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are, we are on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. 
And follow War Media at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And don't forget, you can catch Sega City Sports along with the other live programming from Sports Zone Chicago. Catch Sports Zone Chicago live right now and, and on demand 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, right now on Roku TV. And you know we will provide. So, yes, um, right? for yeah, so have a happy you know, stay warm out there as you guys are finishing up your shopping for Sid and Christine. I'm Lakian, this has been Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Enjoy all the sports, and we'll see you guys next week. Dub Bears, damn, <laughs> holla. <laughs> <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs>